all, you can't really talk about the early second wave of the women's movement without talking about This is a WLRN extended interview. This full interview is from Edition 62's guest, Tree Earth. Tree is a D-trans lesbian separatist homesteader and lives with her wife, Rain, in the mountains of the Appalachie. She is an earth caretaker and loves gardening and growing her own food. Tree believes meditation is the key to a joyful life and is a diligent practitioner. A female liberationist, Tree is creating a world for women, by women, so that we may heal, live in peace, and reside in symbiosis with the one true Mother Earth. Tree, thank you so much for joining me and for giving us the time um, to hear your story. I would love for you to just start from the beginning and and share a little bit with us about um, how you came here and and just a little bit of your story through detransitioning. Okay. Uh, Thanks for having me, and I am happy to share. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start from the earliest parts of my life because I think that's kind of where this feeling of needing to transition and detransition even came from. Um, I guess ever since I can remember being a, a young girl, I just really felt the, the weight of misogyny. I was never seen, you know, like as strong or any of the ways that I wanted to be seen. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been a very strong, like, very gender nonconforming, just different, you know. Like, I never understood why any of those expectations of me were there, you know, sure. like, why I couldn't be seen as strong, too. And um, so that I think that's where it kind of started, like, this feeling of, like, well, maybe I was, maybe I was supposed to be a boy, you know. Like, mm-hmm. people aren't seeing me. Um you know, and I didn't have the language for it back then, but, um, you know, and I also went through a lot of trauma as a kid. I grew up in a very traumatic household. My dad was, like, really misogynist and homophobic. I know that played a role in it. Um, as I was moving towards puberty, it was kind of like this impending doom feeling. Like, I only knew that the sexism and misogyny was just going to get worse, you know, and like all of those things and just like men harassing me. And, um, I just, I didn't want to grow up. I was terrified, terrified of being adult, terrified of growing into a woman's body. Um, and in college I learned that you could even like be gay. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. an option because I, I, um, Never was into men and boys, and I didn't really understand. I thought I would just never be with anyone, you know? And so I came out as a lesbian in college, and I was even terrified to come out as a lesbian. I was so afraid all my friends were going to just not talk to me anymore. Because, you know, that stigma, the lesbophobia of, like, oh... They're going to think I'm, like, having some sort of male gaze towards them or something because that's what, you know, that's what the patriarchy wants us to feel. Like, somehow lesbians are like men, which we're not. And that's also a part of what 
fueled me wanting to transition, mm-hmm. you know? So after I came out at about 20, I'm 38 now. Um, so I've been out a pretty long time right. just dealing with even more shit, you know, like for being lesbian, for being just openly gay, like all the stuff that, that comes from society and mostly uh, like a lot from men, like, oh, it was, you're too pretty to be gay and blah, 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 all the bullshit. And mm-hmm. Feeling entitled to me and my body or just like, I was a waste of a woman and still very, very much just gender nonconforming, you know, like existing in that space is, is really challenging. And I really believe this all fueled my deci- decision to transition. So say, I don't know, maybe like 32, 33, all these things are becoming really popular. Trans is really becoming more popular Mm -hmm. i'm i'm like a lot of people around me are starting to do this like i was very immersed in queer and trans community um where i'm from so it was all around me very much so and um that definitely influenced me you know like it was this option where oh there's this place that i can exist where there's not going to be anything wrong with me Right. Like, it made sense, you know? Well, and in theory, it's kind of like you get to design your own body, too, I would think. Absolutely. It's it's like, I can, can, you know, they put you under this impression that you can take a a low dose of testosterone or only take it for so long and, like, kind of have a lot of control over it when it's Mm -hmm. not really the case. Like, you don't have any control over the changes that happen. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everyone. Right. Um, yeah, so in my early 30s, it became accessible for me to start taking testosterone. And and before this, you know, I had already started binding around that time and started mm-hmm. identifying as, at the time, there was this, um, which I haven't really heard much of it ever since then, but there was this identity that wasn't FTM, it was FTN for neutra, which is like neutral. Like, I didn't, I just didn't want to be a woman. Right. You know, I didn't necessarily want to be a man because, like, why would I want to do that after all the harm that I felt that came from them and the way that I'm, like, seeing them being in the world? Like, I don't want to identify with that. Right. Either. Even though I'm experiencing dysphoria and all this, it was just, like, so much turmoil inside. Yeah. And do you think that neutral uh, was kind of a prelude to non-binary? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I do. I think it probably transformed into that because, like I said, you don't really hear that term. It was kind of popular then, maybe if right. you were looking into it. And, you know, now it's very much just like all non-binary, non-binary. And yeah, and then I, I really heavily identified with with non-binary it was like mm-hmm. the space I could be where I don't have to deal with like I don't have to feel like any of these stereotypes are being put on me you know mm-hmm. and it was really this desperation to be free of the weight of that you know mm-hmm. so as far as getting hormones goes I thought that wasn't going to be accessible to me because you had to see a therapist for so many years you had to get a letter, 
you know, you had to do all these things. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to do that. Like, I don't have even have health insurance. Like, then they made it accessible. You know, there was informed consent. I could easily get Medicaid. I think that's the one it is. And, um, like, through the welfare office, because I was, like, that poor at the time. And I did that just so I could get hormones, just so I could go to the doctor and get hormones. And I think... You know, the prescription, I only had to pay, like, I don't know, between $1 and $5. It was just, like, very accessible. Right. And so, you know, the doctor, I don't even remember what the sheet said. It wasn't more than, like, two pages of, like, whatever they're trying to inform you of, like, any negative effects that could happen. Things like, oh, you you could you could go bald or whatever. It was It was never, like... You could have, like, issues with your endocrine system permanently or any of the other horrid shit that happens. Right. And I was just so focused on on not appearing female. I didn't want people to be able to put me in that box. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and, you know, I, I, was, I was happy with it for a little bit, maybe maybe up to a year until I started having more issues. Um, it actually caused me to have worse dysphoria, and I think that could be something that I'm going to live with forever just because of the way my body's permanently changed, you know? Right, right. Even my face is so different. It's still me, but, like, my voice, like, I don't sound how I used to sound. Um, I have a lot of facial hair, and... I don't waste my time trying to remove it because I'm not going to continue to alter my body mm-hmm. to try to fit in or look like I'm supposed to look like I am a woman. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Um, I only just wish that I knew this before. I wish this was something that was being told to people before, told to girls, told to women before, but as you know, we live in a patriarchy, so that's not what happens. Right. So after a little while of taking hormones, I only took them for just under two years. I really wanted to get top surgery. They were making that possible for people through Medicaid. And I was very hopeful. And I'm I'm so glad I didn't end up following through with that because it would just be ever more painful for me now mourning that loss um yeah so my my dysphoria started to become worse I started to see like when I looked in the mirror my face was just like not me I was looking like way too masculine like I didn't want to look like or be a man right I just didn't want to be a woman right and also, at the same time, I had befriended some really strong and powerful women, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, these 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 things are going off in my brain. Like, wait a second. Like, women can be strong and powerful, right? I had so much internalized misogyny. You know what I mean? And I just, things started going in my head, you know? Like, I don't know if this is working for me. Like, this isn't sustainable. Like, what am I going to do? Be dependent on this for the rest of my life? Like, that means I have to have access to doctors and all this stuff, like, forever. And I couldn't keep doing it just because 
it was changing me too much. I didn't like it. It it it, it caused me to feel even worse. So I stopped. I stopped taking hormones. And it was it was really challenging that whole process, you know, because the dysphoria is really intense and mm-hmm. I don't know if if I can explain it to people that don't experience it um but it's just it's confusing it it's yeah. it's this internal feeling of such deep confusion and like like it is weird to feel like your body is 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 not right or right. not not yours that's very disturbing um so I stopped and then you know, as I'm starting to get more curvy again and all this, then I'm experiencing dysphoria, like, really intensely because of that. So then I went back to the doctor, and I said I want to take a lower dose. So I tried to start back up and take a lower dose, and that that didn't last more than a couple months. It was just, like, still regardless that it was a lower dose, it was still changing me and making me so masculine and uh even worse is, like, the thought of people thinking I was a man, like, ugh, the level of erasure. There's just so many compounded things that were very yeah. painful. So then I stopped again. And even though I had stopped taking hormones, I still ID'd as trans and non-binary for, for years. It was only until this time last year that I really woke up and realized, you know, what was going on with this with this trans stuff and that it wasn't just like regular people, there was something more behind it, you know, like big pharma. Right. And how that it trans is a, a billion dollar industry. And I I mean I never I was content to be trans forever I just was trans that was my identity I felt okay there it wasn't a place where people could put any of these like stereotypes on me you know people might think I'm weird or whatever but that was always the case so it wasn't no different to me yeah Um, and you said that the first year things were good mm mm-hmm yeah. It was and exciting, I, all the changes. Yeah. Right. Right. That's what I was curious about. What What was it about that first year that made it seem like this was a good decision? And then what kind of changed in the second year? Mm-hmm. So the first year felt good because it's it's new, you know? And, and like with anything new, it feels like an adventure, right? It's like all these changes are happening. Oh, my voice is getting deeper. This is exciting. Like I'm starting to get more facial hair. Right. And by the way, I had fa- I had some facial hair before I I started uh, taking hormones, and that was good. It felt really good at first, and then it started to be like I said. It just started to tip more towards like I started to look like very masculine and very much like a man, and um. It, just, it caused me to have, like, my dysphoria got worse. And that's mm-hmm. what made me, um, that's what made me stop with the with the hormones. It didn't make me stop identifying as trans, you know. It just didn't want to be changing my body anymore. And I really liked not having my period. Yeah. It was, like, an easy way to disconnect from, and 
because of my childhood trauma, like, my periods are still very triggering, like, every time. So it was a great way to escape all of that, you know, and not, not have to face or deal with it. Right. Yeah, so then uh, it was, I mean, this past year has been really wild. Um, I have almost everyone that I used to be friends with and talk to, all my queer and trans friends do not talk to me anymore. Most of them just silently, you know, they unfollowed me. And I have moved away from about two years ago from the city that I was living in. So it, it was a little easier. Like I wasn't around all those people and had to like, you know, detransition. Right. Um, and only a, say about a handful of women that, that I used to be friends with still talk to me and they see, you know, they see what I see. Right. So, um, that's that's really painful to 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 see like oh these people only support me when I'm like doing when I'm like them or I'm doing what what they want me to be doing or like following the na- the mainstream narrative right but as soon as I start talking about the shadow which is my specialty n- nobody wants to have anything to do with me you know it was just, it was really shocking to see how quickly like I was disowned Right. And shut out. Whenever I have just as much of a trans experience as any of these other people, I just have a different way of viewing it now. And and people don't like that. And they really try to silence me. Um, and I see them doing that with, with, with all D-trans people. You are listening to WLRN. I'm curious too, have you managed to find a network of um, other people who have detransitioned or another community that's supportive of your decisions now? Mm hmm. Um, I haven't. There are a. So I um, feel very supported by uh, radical feminists. Now, there's a lot of problematic people in those groups too and like anyone can call themselves a radical feminist um personally i identify as a female liberationist because there's no confusion about what that means um people get a little confused about what radical feminism is and i'm not really into that i haven't met a whole lot of detrans people but through the radical feminist community i have that's where i've met the most and they're you know, the sense that I get is they just kind of want to be left alone. Yeah. They don't. They don't want like they've been through so much. Like they don't want people harassing them. Like even though it still happens, I on the other hand don't care. I'm really loud and outspoken, and I'm tired of being quiet about things. So it seems like that's a part of your growth process too has been how outspoken you are in social media about who you inherently are as a person as a woman yes yes absolutely and i think it's so important for people to see that like there's no right or wrong way to be a woman 
You just have to be born into a female body. That's it. All this other shit that we put on it is all lies that the patriarchy tells us to keep us in line. You know what I mean? I do. Mm -hmm. To keep us subservient to the patriarchy. And I'm not with that. I mean, just feeling like I was screaming inside my whole life. And finally I said, I can't take it anymore. All this that I've been through and all the just, even just the societal levels of gaslighting that are going on. I can't just sit here and watch this. I don't care who hates me. I don't care who threatens me. Like, nobody can harm me because I'm protected. I know that I'm protected because I'm speaking from my heart and I'm speaking on the truths that I see. Right. Right. And I have been threatened, I mean, <laughs> so many times I've been, uh, you know, like yelled at by former friends, called a turf, which is just wild. And like, how are you going to call me? <laughs> How are you going to call someone with a trans experience a trans exclusionary? Like, like that makes no sense. Right. And the thing is, they just, anyone who goes against their narrative, they just call them names, you know? And I guess as far as some other things that woke me up when I was transing myself and really in that, I noticed that, like, I was being silenced, and males that were trans-identified were being exalted, and they were being allowed to speak on a women's experience, but I wasn't, you know? That was enraging, and that's not okay, because no male could ever understand what it's like to be in a female body. I have compassion for people that experience dysphoria, but to try to appropriate, like, what it is to be a woman, basically with all misogynist stereotypes, no, I'm not here for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly being censored for speaking out about that, like, mm-hmm. constantly. They hate it. There's no respect for women within that ideology at all. There's no respect for lesbians. Like, I never gave up my sexuality. I was always a lesbian. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have identified as queer for a while, but there's no way I was ever going to date a uh, a man or a male person regardless of their gender identity. Like, my sexuality didn't magically change. Right. You know? And that's a, one of the other things that, that really helped me just more easily let go of the trans identity and all of that is like, there's so much misogyny and homophobia. Like, how could I ever support something like that? How could I ever support the level of, like, they're throwing women and lesbians under the bus constantly, gaslighting us about our experiences, silencing us, and then appropriating our experiences that are often very traumatic. Like, that's so wrong. It often feels like a men's rights movement to me, just gender ideology as a whole. Yes, I 100% agree with you. And if you follow the money, you will see that 
the people behind this are rich white men. Mm-hmm. How is it not a men's rights movement? Right. And they got everyone brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And and the human mind is very easy to trick, especially with the level that media has gotten to these days. Right. And I think especially when women are taught to be kind and empathetic. And I, I oh, actually it's one of our strengths yeah. in a lot of ways, but I also mm-hmm. think easily be used against us when we don't use um, sort of that gift of fear that we have. We know who men and women are by looking at them for a reason. Right. Exactly. You're absolutely right about that. They, they, they prey on our socialization, you know, like, and you can see it in the way that like trans identified males will react. They, They often become very violent Right. Towards women who question them. How is that? Like, what? And then women are out here just trying to, like, appease them and appease them. And, and like you said, that's so, such a part of the problem. There are so many women out here that do not agree with this gender stuff. They are just bullied into it. They don't feel like they can speak up. They're afraid. They're afraid of these violent males. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. Right, exactly. I, I'm not afraid, but I'm I'm different. You know what I mean? Right, right. But well, I, I guess I, I'm just tired of being afraid. <laughs> I think that you've reached a good point if you are tired <laughs> right of, of being afraid and tired of being quiet, you know? Right. And it's like, you know what? I also, like, I trained my whole life in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, one good thing that I did get from my dad is he taught me how to defend myself. He put me in Taekwondo. You know, I'm so grateful for that. I have no doubt in my mind that I could defend myself against anyone. Like, mm-hmm. that helps me not be afraid. And yeah. that's something that I would like to eventually be able to, like, give to other women is teaching them self defense. You know, like it it will give people more confidence to to stand up mm-hmm. to these men because they're not as tough as they act like they they scream and cry a lot, you know, right, and yes, we women do receive a lot of violence from them, but we're also socialized to not do things that make us strong, you know what I mean, like women can be strong. We can defend ourselves. Like, we don't have to be afraid of these men. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be afraid of these, this whole group of people. And unfortunately, it's not just men. Right. There are a lot of women that are brainwashed into defending this male supremacist ideology. Mm-hmm. I really like that you mentioned your self-defense practice and in just getting to know you over the last week or so, it almost seems like your focus is around self-reliance just as much as self-defense is. Can you share a little bit about that and your philosophy? Um, you know, I, I know you before, so about around homesteading even, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess Part of it is it's not just self-defense. I have a very strong meditation and spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've had that for about 10 years now. And, you know, I've had a lot of um, 
I've had a lot of trauma-induced mental health issues most of my life. Like, I deal with CPTSD. I've been to so many different doctors and therapists. They just want to throw you on medicine and all this crap. They don't want to actually help. They don't want to get to the root, just like with everything. No one wants to look at the shadow. Right. So, you know, I... I am very self-reliant, and that comes from my practice. I, I practice a lot. I go in into my internal world, and I shine a light on all the shadow that's in there, no matter how painful it is, and I'm constantly doing this process, you know? And I've gone to this point where I've built up a lot of practice, and it's almost like every single aspect of my life is meditation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what even led me to, I mean, I've always had this desire to have a space to get, to get back to the land, to live with the forest. Like humans are meant to be connected, you know, connected to the earth. Right. So they cover everything with concrete and they disconnect us in so many ways. Yeah. Um, so what do you want to know about homesteading? <laughs> well, <laughs> when you talk about homesteading and um, just the way that you're connecting to the earth, what I'm really curious about is, do you consider that sort of like a healing practice? I, I hear you talk about mm. meditation. And and so I'm sort of more wondering about it in that way. And I also think, at least in my experience as a woman, um, I was not taught to necessarily work with my hands or to, mm-hmm. like, I was that I could do like small crafts or baking or cooking, but mm-hmm. not like the real work and getting into mm-hmm. the earth. And I think there's a reason for that. I think that's a lot of socialization. So yes. I'm just curious what your thoughts are around all of that. Yeah. I mean, what you said, we girls and women are socialized to not do things that make us strong, you know, and then the women that do are constantly harassed, you know, you look like a man or like anything along those lines. Women aren't supposed to be doing this. They're supposed to be doing this thing, you know, and I was just I was always very much like just not having it. I was doing, I was outside, I was running around, I was doing all the things that I wasn't supposed to be doing as a girl, you know, like all the things that only boys were allowed to do. Um, And those are the things that I feel like, I, I mean, one of the things that I feel really good at is, is I feel very physically strong. I always have. Um, I think all women are capable of feeling that way because we are all very physically strong. We're just taught that we're not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also it helped that, like, I did take Taekwondo. Like, at least my parents gave me that. Um, and I think that helped me with, with being more physically active and wanting to do those things. And as far as like homesteading goes, it's very much that. It's very much using your body, using your muscles, just like being outside, being in the dirt, connecting with the earth. Um, You know, it takes a lot of strength to like collect all of your own firewood and chop it all up and be constantly doing that all year, moving it, stacking it. Um, even just like 
having your hands in the dirt connects you to the earth and grounds you and heals you. It's very healing to be in this space. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a pretty big city in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I guess it's like a small big city. I don't know. Um, and, you know, now I'm in the middle of the mountains in the forest and I'm surrounded by trees. And I think that has helped facilitate my awareness, you know, Wait. my waking up. Um, there's not there's not all that city and all those people to, to distract from. And I do realize that that's uh, a privilege and a blessing to even have access to that. Um, it's not something I ever thought I would have access to, but I have been blessed. Um, it definitely changes. It, I think it changes one's consciousness. Mm-hmm. You don't get bombarded with as much of that matrix stuff. Right. Right? Like, you're, I just, now going into a town, even a small town, oh, it's so draining. I can't even imagine. You don't realize, you know? <laughs> What's that? Oh, I said, as an introvert, I can't even imagine going back into a city after that. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, I am like, this is where I belong. I've always belonged here. I've always felt my heart calling to this, you know, and it manifested. It manifested for me and I am grateful. Well, it does sound like you're in a beautiful space now that's just working for, for you and, and your life. Mhm. Definitely. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Well, Tree, thank you so, so much for your time. I I am just delighted that um, you were willing to share your story with all of us and to to be vulnerable about it. I am sure that wasn't easy, but I appreciate you so much. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. been listening to WLRN's interview with Tree Earth, female liberationist, homesteader, detransitioned woman, and lesbian from Appalachia. Thank you for staying tuned to WLRN. If you like what you hear and are interested in donating to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, check out womensliberationradionews.com and consider a donation. Much love and gratitude to Tree Earth for taking the time to speak with us, and thank you, dear listener, for keeping it tuned to WLRN. WLRN.